I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Lamentations chapter 3. The title of this morning's message is Great is Thy Faithfulness. And we're going to kind of look at where that passage comes from today and uh, the great lessons that are there for us to, to look to God. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 20. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. The Bible says, My soul hath them, his afflictions, still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Unless you do maybe your Bible reading and year type of thing, most Christians probably don't automatically turn to the book of Lamentations as a go-to passage uh, in, their, in their Christian life. I think, however, today as we look through at least a few verses here today, I think our hearts should be encouraged uh, on the, the faithfulness of our God. Great is His faithfulness. And we should say amen, a hearty amen to that. And so with that in mind, I just want to kind of share a little bit more of the background of this, but I want to kind of share a little bit of a, a testimony, prayer requests, things like that as we begin the service today. Uh, this week, uh, again, we had uh, much to rejoice about. Again, baby Evelyn was born. We, we were so thankful. We saw uh, Terry Honey is now out of the hospital back at Good Samaritan. Visited with her earlier this week, uh, doing better. Praise God for that. We've seen some strides, some things that have happened, but also... As we know, there are, is sorrow that's mixed with joy, even in the Christian life. We experience that. But how do we cope with news of tragedies and news of difficulties and, and struggles that we do face? And it does happen periodically in our lifetime. How do we, especially as Christians, face these things? This week, we experience heartbreak, even our own family and our friends as well. Uh, I mentioned uh, this on Wednesday night, so you maybe got the email about this as well, but in Israel this week, uh, on Tuesday, there was a Palestinian terrorist who took a knife and began stabbing people in Ariel, which is near the West Bank. He then, after stabbing people, he then stole a car and then ran over others. In the end, three people were killed and three people were wounded. One of the wounded was my very good friend Isaiah. He's, in fact, he's more than a friend. He was my Timothy. He was my preacher boy there in our congregation there in Tel Aviv. Love him dearly. In fact, if, if you remember, I actually mentioned about him back when we were doing the armor of God, about the helmet of salvation. He was the guy who wanted to take the world the next day, give it back type of thing. Anyways, God was working in Isaiah's life. But anyways, he was working as a security guard at the industrial place where the attack occurred. And, and the knife, the, the, uh, the terrorist knife, just missed his carotid artery just, just by a millimeter. It's a miracle he survived. He's been in the hospital doing a little bit better, uh, but he needs to heal. Pray for Isaiah. My heart breaks for him and for the others that lost their lives that day by that senseless terrorist attack that took place there. Kind of grieves me, barely made the news here at all. But nonetheless, uh, it's, it's an issue. And we cry out, God, where are you? How can you let this happen? It's natural to cry out that way. Over this weekend, yesterday, I received news that two dear friends of mine, men, were dear to my heart, passed into glory. One man, his name is Adolf Fouth. He went by Ellie. He's one of our friends in Israel. Uh, 
And he was a faithful friend. He loved the Lord, loved his family dearly, and he was like a family to us. He would often, they lived up, up north, north of the Sea of Galilee near Chorazin, and uh, they would, uh, about maybe every other weekend or at least once a month minimum, they would always come over to our home on Shabbat for, for, our, for the weekend and then for services at our assembly there. Uh, we loved Adolf and his wife, Fern. He was originally from North Dakota. His wife is originally from Montevideo, Minnesota. You know where that's at. And back in the 60s and 70s, they moved to Israel to, to help there. But they were like family. But Adolf passed away this, uh, uh, this weekend. Uh, he was buried today. Then I found out as well that uh, a dear professor of mine from Bible College, his name was Jerry Hargrove. Um, he was one of my professors who was passionate for the Lord. He loved people tremendously. He poured his life into students like me. Loved that man to death. During his class, we had Christian service class with him and among others, but we'd always sing a little chorus, Be a servant of the Master is the greatest thing of all. That's what we would sing. And Jerry Hargrove lived out this message of this song. He passed away this weekend after a courageous battle with cancer. He dealt with that for a few years. And dealing with the loss of our dear friend Jerry Hargrove and our friend Adolf and the attack that happened to our friend Isaiah, as we deal with loss of life and attacks, we cry out, God, where are you? How long, Lord, will you let this go? We cry out for that. Now we come here to the book of Lamentations. We read these verses that at least we know, if, if you know anything about Lamentations, even if you don't read, never read it, you probably have at least heard these verses, that it is the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. And that is the verses we cling to during these times where we, tr we deal with sorrow and joy almost at the same time in, we deal with this life. But I want us to think a little bit deeper, uh, and then we'll do some more application here, but looking at the background of these verses. You know, many times when we picture these verses or even sing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, I want to ask you, what comes to your mind when you think of those verses or when you sing that song? Maybe sometimes you see it in artwork and you see maybe a verse under a piece of art and it simply says, you know, it's like un under a sunrise, you have it like that. Or think of like a Thomas Kincaid picture. Okay, the painter of light, you know, okay. You can have an old, you know, some people love Thomas K. to say, okay, one or two paintings enough, you've seen a lot of light. Anyway, but nonetheless, when you think about that, I think a lot of times we think of this, these verses here kind of in that idyllic setting, a pleasant sunrise over a cabin, a Thomas Kincaid picture, things like that. But the reality of these verses, the, the story behind these verses is really more so better described, I would say, like a war zone. You see, Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in fact, the book of Jeremiah, which comes in our Bibles right before this book, Lamentations, the way that Jeremiah ends his book is that, that Judah is going into captivity to Babylon. Jerusalem is in ruins. The temple has been destroyed. The people, most of the people have been taken away. And Jeremiah is one of those that remain. They eventually go to Egypt. That's a whole other issue altogether that they're dealing with. But nonetheless, life had been turned upside down for these people. And of course, Jeremiah and other prophets as well, 
warned Israel and Judah of the impending judgment of God that was about to come upon them because of their sinfulness, of turning to other gods, their idolatry and the wickedness that had been prevailing both in leadership as well as among the people itself. And God says judgment will come and God's rod of correction came at the hands of the Babylonians. Jeremiah's world is turned upside down. He is there mourning with his people. The book of Lamentations itself is the idea of lamenting. What does the, we're going to talk about that a little bit today here. But as we see here, the prophet Jeremiah is crying out in lament. I wish we had time. Maybe, maybe down the road we'll do a special study on the book of Lamentations itself. It's actually a rather fascinating book. Uh, but it's a book of poetry. Uh, one thing that you'll find interesting, and we, we can't appreciate it in the English as much, but in the Hebrew... The first two chapters of this book and the fourth chapter are all in uh, what we say an acrostic verse. Like, you know, the very first sentence uh, or first verse of, uh, of Lamentations, for example, it begins with, I'm going to just transliterate the letter A. So the first verse deals with that. A is this. The second verse starts with the letter B. The third verse starts with the letter C. And it kind of goes through that. And by the way, that's not uncommon. A book of, um, of uh, Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 119, for example, is kind of an acrostic type book as well. And so in chapters 1 and 2 and chapter 4, you have that exactly. You have 22 verses of this, and they are all in that actual order. When you come to chapter 3, you'll find that this, this chapter here is 66 verses. And because this is also an acrostic uh, poem, but what you find out interestingly is this, that it's done in triplets. The first three verses in Hebrew begin basically with the letter A. I'm transliterating it for you. The next three verses, four through six, basically start with the letter B. And the next three verses is C, and so on until you get the end of the Hebrew alphabet, 22 two letters. So that's how it's set up. So it's, it's kind of an interesting idea. Um, sometimes things get lost in translation, but it's a beautiful arrangement. But the goal is this. It is to basically intensify the lament that as these verses, chapters, the first uh, four chapters especially, that basically as this is an acrostic poem from A to Z, even so the destruction of Judah, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple has been so thorough like from A to Z. That's the point of it. It talks about the thoroughness of the destruction because of Judah's sin, because of Israel's sin as well when you put it that way. It brings on the intensity of God's judgment upon that. And so in chapters 1 and 2, you have really Judah pictured here, or Jerusalem pictured as a woman who is abandoned uh, by her lovers, for example. She is cast down. Go with me to chapter 1, and I want us to read the first, first uh, verse or two here. It says here, it is a cry of lament. It's a crying out to God. And it says here, How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How is she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces, how is she become a tributary? Now she's like a slave, forced labor. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath none to comfort her, and all her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction, because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen, findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. Wow, that is heavy information, isn't it? But this is the cry that's happening. And Jeremiah, as the prophet, he is crying along with the people of Judah, Lord, how can this happen? 
The city of Jerusalem, your prized city, your holy temple is no more. Lord, how could this happen? And that's the cry that's going on here. And now we come to chapter 3, and now it's getting a little bit more personal. It's like a cry here. Now, you could say, in a sense, it's Jeremiah's cry as, as well. Look with me in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. The rod of his wrath is talking about Babylon, the destruction there. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me he is turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. He's feeling the wrath of God upon him and upon the nation. Even though Jeremiah himself is innocent, he's the voice of God there in that, but he cries along with the people that, in that regard. So like I said, Jeremiah, the prophet, cries out and lament. Let me take a moment here just to describe what lament is about. To be honest with you, this is something we really don't practice in our culture, in our society, as lamenting. But what is lament? Let me just say this, that lament here, and this is by... Uh, Mark Vrogop, a pastor in, uh, in, um, in Indiana, he says here, lament is how we bring our sorrow to God. It's a way, it's a vehicle, it's a method of how we bring our sorrow to God. I like this quote too. Lament is the bridge between pain and promise. It's the lament is the bridge between pray, uh, pain and promise. And then kind of wrap this up. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. That's what lament is. It's crying out to God in prayer. Lord, where are you? <laughs> I'm over here. Hello, did you forget about me? Lament is a prayer in pain, but it leads to trust. And I want to challenge us with this thought today. At this Thanksgiving season, we can say, Great is thy faithfulness as we cry and trust our unchanging God. That's the point of this passage, especially these verses that are dear to us, verses 22 and 23, that we can say, great is thy faithfulness. It's not an idyllic setting. It's in a war zone. Our life often feels that way, doesn't it? There's times where we feel overwhelmed and we see destruction, things falling apart around us. We say, God, how can this happen? And we can say, simply say, great is thy faithfulness. And that we can trust in our unchanging God. So with that, how then do we lament? How do we cry out to God? And I want to say this. I think we should, first of all, begin by asking the right questions. Asking the right questions. And I think the first question that we should ask, and it comes natural to us, is simply this. Why, God? Have you ever done that? Have you been there? When you go through something and you just can't explain it, and you just kind of stop and say, why, God? You know, in our culture, like I said, we don't maybe sense that verbally, but I know within our mind and within our heart, I'm sure that has been an expression uh, uh, that's been upon us as well. In verses 1 through 20 of chapter 3 here is basically that. It's the prophet saying, why, God, why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you allowed Jerusalem and the temple to be destroyed, the people taken off, and we're just left with rubble? When your life is like that, you wonder what's going on. Let me just say this. When you ask that question, why God, I want you to know that it is okay to ask questions. And I want to say this. By asking God questions, that's how we learn about God. Think about that. You know, one thing, if you've ever done teaching, for example, and you teach a group of students, and you just teach and teach and teach, and you know what, there's no feedback, no answer. You're wondering, are they really getting it? You know, when you go through the problems of pain in this life, and you don't ask God any questions, I wonder if we're really learning. 
to be honest with you. So this is the thing. I encourage you to ask God questions. This is how we learn about God. Now, understand this, that our struggles do not take God by surprise. Think about that. They might take you by surprise. That situation may be, it's not unique, but it's unique to you, okay? But here's the deal. Our struggles do not take God by surprise. So how then do we ask? Here's a couple of different principles to consider. First of all, when you ask God, like why God, simply be, be, be honest. Be honest in your situation. God, this is what's going on. This is what's on my heart. This is what I see, God. Be honest about that. Don't try to cover something up. Don't try to be political about it, okay? Just try, basically, be honest with that. Another thing is simply be humble. I think humility is the key to dealing with struggle and pain. In a sense, when we are, we are prideful, a lot of times we buck against God. We, str- we fight against Him in some ways. And by the way, true thanksgiving comes from a humble heart. It's, you can't be pr- proudful and you can't be proud and be thankful at the same time. It doesn't go together, folks. We have to be humble as well. Be honest, be humble, and then pray the Bible. You know, there are several passages in the Bible uh, that are songs of lament. It's basically crying out to God. Psalm 10, for example. Psalm 13. Psalm 22. Believe it or not, Isaiah 53, some part of that is even a lament to God. And so by crying out these psalms, he said, I don't know where to begin. Read those passages like Psalm 10. How long, O Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? Those are honest questions that we can ask God. And here's the point of this. God wants us to talk to him about your struggle. And as the song says, are you wearied? Are you heavy hearted? You know it. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother, tell it to Jesus alone. As we think about that, ask God questions. He loves to do that. When we do it honestly, humbly, pray through the Bible, talk to God openly about it, He loves to hear that. This is something that I think we have a lost art of in our society today, even with Christianity. Now, what's the goal of lamenting? What's the goal of crying out to God? What are, what's the purpose of it? And the purpose of this is that we would draw closer to God That's exactly what we need to do. We issue our complaint to God. God, this is unfair. Help me. Where are you? And guess what? That what is that boat? It boats trust. And as we trust God, we basically draw closer to Him. It's interesting as we think about this, as we kind of set our sights about perspective of life, isn't it? I've I've said this many before, but you know, in the fog of war, what happens? In the fog of war, you go by the facts on the ground. You go with what you know. What do we know? We know, according to this passage, this is this, that God is merciful, his compassions fail not, his faithfulness is great. These are facts on the ground, that no matter what's maybe circling around the fog of war, you go with what you know, with the facts on the ground. The Bible is there for us. Wonderful gift from God, his word, okay? But here's the thing. We should cry out to God. The more we cry out to God, the more we are dared to trust Him. Think about that. The more we cry out to God, the more we are dared to trust Him. Come on. Cry to me more. Cry to me more. You know, have you, put it this way. You ask God for, you know, think of your kids. They ask you for something at the store. And what do they want you to do? Give in right away, right? But you, you in your wisdom as a parent or grandparent, 
know that there's some value in waiting a little bit before they get a gift. Tabitha, his, her birthday's tomorrow, but you know what? She wanted a gift the other day and the week before. And you know, she's saying, well, you're talking about Christmas. What about my birthday? She was lamenting, okay? All right? But the thing is, is if we gave into that impulse right away, you know what? Her faith really isn't being built up or her relationship isn't being built up with us as well. But the same thing, when we cry out to God, there's some of you that you've been praying a long time for certain situations. It could be health issues, financial issues, family issues, whatever it may be. And you're crying out to God and you're saying, Lord, when are you going to answer me? Hello. And we kind of give up. You know what God delights though? He wants you to keep on. He dares you to trust him. Are we really trusting God? I think so many times we give up because we do not know how to lament. We do not know how to cry out to God. We do it humbly, honestly to him. You know, this helps us as we cry out to God, as we do this as a practice, it helps us know uh, to, what we know to be true, okay? Uh, there's a saying, you maybe have heard this, that when you, don't forget when you're in the darkness what you have learned in the light. Maybe you've heard that expression before. When you are in the darkness, don't forget in the darkness the truth that you learned in the light. Very important. Those are the facts on the ground. This is the thing, that in your life, we often can run on fumes. So the question is, can we really trust God? Look with me in verse 20, Lamentations 3.20. It says here, My soul hath them, that's talking about his afflictions, still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. In other words, just the thought of the afflictions, the trials that are going on in your life, because of that, we should be humbled in that regard. Okay? So very important. So this is the thing. A lot of times, as the, as the writer here, he was running on fumes. Lord, there's nothing left. I'm on empty. Ever felt that way? <laughs> Been there, done that, took a picture, got a t-shirt. Okay? That's the idea. But when we run on fumes, can we trust God? And the answer is yes. Because when you hit rock bottom, God will meet you there. He will do that. And we can say, great is thy faithfulness. We can trust him for that. You know, we really need a different perspective on life. That's what it comes down to. So the key to this change from asking why God, the key to this change is to ask a different question now. It's okay to ask God why, but we should not stop there. We should ask now a different question. And the different question calls for a different position, a different viewpoint. To understand the why of our situation, we must now turn to the who of our situation. Turn to God. Look with me in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The word recall there has the idea of like returning or to turn. You're turning your attention now is the idea. And therefore I have hope. It is this, in knowing God that we find hope. This is basically as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, his grace is sufficient. His power, even through my infirmities, his power may be made known. It's all about perspective. So here's the deal. Our situation is not the end of the story. The situation you are in is not the end of the story. Let God write your story. It's his story. That's what's going on. You know what? There's a great song that I, we sang quite a bit in Tennessee, but there's a brighter day coming. We have hope. We have hope. So the question now, instead of why God, and it's okay to ask that, keep asking, the next question we should ask is this, who are you, God? Who are you? And that's what should draw us. So we find out in this passage who exactly God is. We find here in Lamentations 3, and in verse 22, it says, 
It is of the Lord's mercy we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We find out who is God in this passage. He is faithful. Or excuse me, he is merciful. And that's in despite of our sins. That's, that is, by the way, the, the mercy there is his chesed, his loyal love that he has. His loving kindness. We also find out he is compassionate. His compassions fail not. By the way, it's interesting when we think it's the Lord's mercy we are not consumed. A lot of times when we have that Thomas Kincaid picture in our mind on these verses, we kind of forget about that. It's by the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. The Thomas Kincaid picture, you know what it should really look like? You have that little cottage there by the lake, and you should have Godzilla breathing fire in the background. That's really what's taking place here. All right? By the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. We are not done. God promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to Moses and the children of Israel that he would not abandon his people. Even though he punched, there would always be a remnant. He would not forget his own. Praise God for that. And God keeps his promises. Why? Because he's a faithful God and he does not change. And his purposes are good. He is faithful. The other thing we see here is faithful. By the way, when we see this verse here in verse 23, they are new every morning. That's regarding his, his mercies, his compassion. They're new every morning. The idea is this, that they are renewed daily with an abundant supply. And that's from our mighty God. In other words, we can believe in our faithful God. When we remember God's faithfulness, we are drawn back into living fellowship and a close communion with our faithful God. This is why we cry out to God to get draw close to him. We also see in verse 24 that the Lord is also my portion saith the Lord. Here's the idea. It's a portion of our allotment. When we, here's the thing. When you feel that you have lost everything, you find everything you need, and that's in God himself. God is enough. He is our hope and our strength. And with that, we can say, great is thy faithfulness. This is a little poem. You probably have maybe heard it or heard a version of it. Basically, it says, you look at yourself, and you'll be depressed. You look at your circumstances, you'll be distressed. And you look to the Lord, and you'll be blessed. That's what Lamentations is all about. By looking to the Lord, crying out to God. Even our situation. Look at yourself, you'll be depressed. Been there, done that. Look at your circumstances, you're going to be distressed. All right. You look to the Lord, you'll be blessed. So what's the result of our lament, our cry to God? What's the result? What does it look like at the end? The idea is this, that we can trust God now and forever. We see and experience his goodness. Look with me in verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the, Lord, for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. Now, verses 25 through 27, remember what I said, that this chapter here in Hebrew, these are triplets. Remember the acrostic poem? So every word, actually, the beginning of each verse, 25, 26, and 27, in Hebrew, you could actually say, it actually begins with the word good, okay? The Lord is good, or good is the Lord to them that wait for him. Or it is good that a man should hope and be quiet. Good for a man. So the word in Hebrew, actually, that verse actually begins with the word good. And this talks about the goodness of our God. In the midst of that, we can trust him forever. We can see and experience his goodness. Let me just say this, that so many times I believe that we often learn greater lessons through pain rather than pleasure. You learn valuable lessons when you go through the fire that you will never truly appreciate if you had to walk an easy path. And the thing is this, God has never promised an easy path. He hasn't. But we learn greater lessons through pain rather than pleasure. With that, 
we can see his purpose and plan. Look down to verse 30. He giveth cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Wow. When you think about that, we see here God's purpose and plan. In all this, we can say God is always and only good. Praise God for that. Reminds us of what Job said, Job 23.10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. See, the point of this is this. God doesn't waste suffering. God doesn't waste suffering. It's for our good and for his glory. And when we cry out to him, we see the value and the lessons learned from that. We can thank God even in the storm. Why can we thank God? Because suffering is not the end of the story. Your situation is not the end of the story. The believer has a bright hope and a future in the Lord. Therefore, we can say, great is thy faithfulness. He is there for us. He is there for us in the storm. He is there for us in the fire. He is there for us. He will never abandon his people. He will be faithful to us and to his promises. As we think about Jerusalem, and that it, as Jeremiah writes this, again, he's writing it with the background of a ruined city, a destroyed temple, and a people that have been dispersed. You see here, the story of Jerusalem is filled with lament, crying out to God. And even today, if you go to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, you can cry to God even there. Jewish people even today cry, Lord, how long until you restore? The Messiah returns. The temple is built again. They cry out for that. Every year, in, usually in the summer, it's called Tisha B'Av, which is the anniversary of the destruction of the temple. The book of Lamentations is read out loud, a cry, a public, a national lament to God for what has taken place. Yet, here's the point. In the new Jerusalem, there will be no need for lament because God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. Praise God for that promise. By crying out to God, though, Today, we exercise hope in a sure future that God will restore the broken, heal the wounded, and make the wrong things right. The times of affliction remind us of this fallen world. You know, Jeremiah, like I said, the reason why Jerusalem was destroyed because of, of Judah's sin. Yet he, as a righteous man, was still affected by that. So either the afflictions that we face may be because of our sin... And if you are in sin, get right with God. Repent, turn to Him. But sometimes we simply get caught in the crossfire as believers or just because of our fallen world. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you don't get cancer. Doesn't mean other things don't get in a car accident, things like that. But what is this? Our perspective is different because we cry out, why God? And then we turn it hopefully to, who are you, God? And we learn that He's faithful. So this reminds us of a fallen world that needs a Savior. And here's the point. If God indeed is faithful, we can trust him for our salvation. Our deliverance is then found in Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 40 of this chapter. Lamentations 3.40. It says, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. When we look at the destruction around us and we see a fallen world, by the way, when you see the news and you don't like it, that should hopefully teach you how to pray. Think about that. 
And when you see the news and you don't like it, you should not only pray, but you should lament and cry, God, how long? Lord, when will you bring peace? Lord, care for your people. Lord, remember your promises. Cry out to him. And as we cry out to him, he dares us to trust him more and more and more. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. It's a call to repent. It's a call to draw close to God. You see here, I, I want to just share this in closing. This past Wednesday, for those who were here on Wednesday night, what a blessing that was, as we heard from Sam Slobodin and Igor, the Ukrainian church planter. And they shared firsthand their testimonies and the struggles of caring for the people in the, the community there through the church as they are even afflicted by the conflict there with Russia. They have faced food shortages and fuel shortages as well, even though that has somewhat improved. But now, as they share, they're dealing with the lack of heat in their homes. As they go in the winter, they're already struggling. And they cry out to God, Lord, how long, how long is this conflict going to go on between Russia and Ukraine? They're there on the, on the front lines of this. And there in those churches, they cry out, Lord, how long? And they cry out more and more and more. And guess what? The more they cry out, what are they finding? We heard from the Testament from Igor this week. They are learning who this God is who is faithful. That's who they're learning. That's what we shall learn as well. What a lesson. Therefore, they can say of God, great is thy faithfulness. Now today, folks here at Victory Baptist Church, those who are watching online, this Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving week, I challenge us, no matter what situation you may be, and maybe things are like a Thomas Kincaid painting at the moment. You know what? Either you're coming out of a fire, or you're in the fire, or you're going into the fire, okay? You're not going to escape it. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to hit you. How are you going to do it? It's basically by trusting in God. God dares you to trust Him more. And the message here in Lamentations is exactly that. Turn to the Lord and trust in our faithful God. And with that together, we say and sing, Great is thy faithfulness. Trust in the Lord. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the, as the prophet said, turn to him today. Come to him for forgiveness of sins. Let your life be forever changed by a good and faithful God. And he will pardon. He will give you life, an abundant life. If you're here today and you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, let us truly be thankful as we cry out to God, and he dares you to trust him more. And when you do, you can say, great is thy faithfulness.